suck in. Suck it in. Make it look fine. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to a very special episode of The Fundamentalists. My name is Elliot Morgan, and I'm here with Peter Rollins. Guys, you know sometimes we procrastinate on episodes. We have only procrastinated once on this episode. We are doing it on the day we typically post, and I think that's pretty good, yep. if I do say so myself. I think so. Uh, Pete, how are you doing? I'm doing good. good. Doing good. Uh, not much is going on, you know, but we, uh, we were going to do this two days ago and then <coughs> yeah. you came around quite late and we ended up just having drinks and hanging out. Well, that's what a lot of people don't know, Pete, is that we are, we actually hang out. We, we are, are friends yes. and we sometimes prefer just to be friends, yeah. not, um, incredible intellectuals. I know, you know, sometimes I know the world needs us, but sometimes we just need each other. Exactly. That, yeah. And that's okay. Speaking, I had the whole thing set up by the way, and we took it all down. Yeah, we, <laughs> uh, we talked about it. We're like, we could just hang out, yeah. not, not do this. And, uh, it was a great idea at the yeah. time. Um, so we are, we're talking today guys about the subject of engagement. And why is that? Well, I'll tell you, Pete, thank you for asking. No. Uh, recently I got engaged. Hey, can I cheers you hey, publicly? Man. Absolutely. Congratulations. Thank man. you. Thank I appreciate you. that. Mm. We'll take a moment here. Mm. Um, and she said yes. Wow. Yeah, that part's crazy. That's amazing. That is surprising. Yeah. Um, I will say, Pete, we'll talk about this a little bit. We're also, I think, maybe going to talk about certain ideas behind the word engagement just to kind of expound on it. And maybe we won't. Maybe it'll just be about me and mm. how excited... And also uh, surreal and mildly numb I am following the past couple weeks. It's been a little bit of a whirlwind, and it's all been very beautiful uh, and wonderful. But I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I have had a crush on this girl for a very long time. A uh, very, very long time. In fact, I actually had a crush on her at the time that Pete and I were, in fact, living together. Now, mm -hmm. Pete in being the best friend a guy could ask for, was also very instrumental. Do you know I'm going to bring this up? I'm not sure. Don't know. Pete was very instrumental, very encouraging, and very wisdom-giving in terms of my initial how to approaches. Her, how to, how to manipulate her into and, going and, out with you. Yes, and get, and get her. Yes. <laughs> uh, but it's all very cool and very surreal and very strange and lovely. So thank you, first of oh. all, Pete. That's very sweet of you to have done that because God knows I needed as much help as I could get at that time. <laughs> uh, and it all worked out very well. But um, yeah. That's... Yeah. No, it's amazing, man. Uh, congratulations. So it's uh, Yeah, we need a bit of good news in the world at the moment. So It does seem that, that nice. way. The, um, we, I propose, uh, I should probably remember the date. I don't even think I thought about the date when I did mm. it. Is that something that you're supposed to remember? Is was it around your birthday? But was it the day before birth your birthday or day after? Something or day off? Yeah, I tried to get it as close to my birthday so that she had to say yes. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but it was between Valentine's Day and my birthday and then also between a bunch of other responsibilities. So I didn't time it great in terms of um, just overall scheduling. Um, it seemed like things got very busy around that time by coincidence. But... Um, yeah, it was wonderful. I did it. And then we took a week, we chilled out. And then um, we made, when we were in Palm Springs, uh, around like midnight on Saturday, we just made like Instagram posts and then put our phones down and fell asleep at like midnight and woke up to want just a nice, just the nicest response. Like it was so sweet. I've had a tumultuous relationship with the internet uh, throughout the years. And it was like so nice to, to see uh, just an outpouring of support and, and love. It's the first people. time people have been nice to you on it was, the comment like, section. Oh, yeah. this is why I get it. If yeah. you have this experience, no wonder people post things on the internet all the time. Yeah, um, yeah so it's been lovely. But what are your thoughts, Pete? On engagement in general? Uh-oh. Will we jump in or you your can engagement? Jump in. <laughs> yeah, because Pete does have thoughts here, and we are going to die. This is going to be an episode of Substance, mm -hmm. not just me gushing. Uh, or or sort of um, giving details, but I will give some details before yeah, we dive into this. Yes, yeah, yeah. Like before we get into the the meat, let's the meat. hear more of the, the story. The icing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I, what I did was um, I I got a ring. Um, I got advice from a female friend uh, about what ring to get, and I'm glad I did. She was she she deterred me from getting a ring. I think I wouldn't have been as happy about. 
and it was very sweet. Her name is Sarah. I won't say her last name, Whittle. And uh, that was very lovely. And then I had been planning on doing it on the Friday. I did it on a Saturday night. And then so I got my little hut, what I call my Ellie hut, uh, which is my little office shed space um, in by the driveway. And I tried to decorate. So all day on Friday, I was saying that I was cleaning my office. And Grace was like, can I help you clean it? And I was like, no, I got all of it. Um, and I don't know, if, I don't think she suspected anything, but she should have, because it's weird if I'm cleaning anything, because yeah, yeah. I'm a filthy, nasty boy. Yeah. And uh, I had got everything set up. I went to Target, bought all these, like, just goofy, cute things, got a little Bluetooth speaker, and I tried to turn it into uh, the Ellie Hut pop-up gastropub. Did as, you hear all the stuffed raccoons as well, the dead raccoons? The dead, you got oh, them, dead? the taxidermy. Oh, yeah. Dude, they are so... They're... That's a whole other okay. podcast. <laughs> These the raccoons, raccoons is next week. Yep. It's yeah, it yep. really is not a bit. They are um I lock my sliding glass door because of the raccoons. I'm convinced they're gonna they're gonna come in and there's nothing I can do to to deter them. I we've basically come to the conclusion that they have the night shift and we have the day shift and uh, we yeah. just cohabitate. But anyway, I got it all set up and then uh Grace was like, Well, I, I I'm waking up at like seven in the morning to do a talk and she's like i'm prepping all this stuff she's like so tonight i'm just gonna chill we're not gonna do anything and then big brain me was like well maybe don't propose the night when she has to wake up at 7 a.m that doesn't sound like a very fun thing and she might freak out so i waited a day and i was really nervous all day i was like uh -huh. on friday i was like i was like okay i just gotta get it. i'm gonna make it look cute and i got put up lights and candles and everything and then fortunately she never enters that place. And, uh, I was like, so I'll just leave it. And then I was like, okay, so the next day, and I was trying to sound so normal the entire time and trying to sound so like, I was just, oh, you know, I'm just reading stuff or whatever. And she would talk to me. That's like, just like everyday life. Try, you just try to sound normal. Try to, you sound, try to normal, sound like a human God. being. <laughs> Once Elliot, just sound like a human being. Yeah. She would talk to me and I would be like, I would just be like, nodding my head like listen like i was pretending to listen to her because she's yeah. like it was so good like the talk went really well and i would be like that's awesome yeah that's really great that that happened like that she had no idea apparently yeah. i fooled her wonderfully she truly was very surprised which i did not expect i yeah. thought she would see it coming a mile away uh she did not and uh and then that night i was like well don't get too tired i was like because i'm gonna do a little uh date night tonight and then I, I was like, she was like, do I need to change out of my sweatpants? And I was like, yeah, you should probably change out of your sweatpants. I was, and I came out like looking mildly dressed up. I got some clothes from Target and tried to fancy. make it very fancy, yeah. dude. Spare no expense. I and think the last T is silent. Yeah, yeah Target. Yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, I was like, yeah, get changed or whatever. We get changed. She walks over there uh, and we walk in and I got like music playing. I got like this. I've gotten into Italian jazz lately. As come on, do, as you, yeah, that sounds quite What's nice. What's happening? Yeah. And I've started yeah. flossing. I've been. We talked wow, to you about yeah, this. Yeah. It's a. It's your a, teeth are like. Have you been whitening your teeth? No, well? I haven't. No, just the, the, wow. But I wear good. yellow clothes to offset it. That's they, what it is. Uh, Thank good. you for saying that. Yeah. Uh, and I dye my hair yellow to make it look whiter mm. too. And so you make everything else yellow. Yes, no, that's a good pop. tip. Yeah. Um, so we walk in there, and I'm nervous as heck. I have it in my pocket, and she's like taking a little video because she thinks it's cute. And I was like, well, put that away. And I get on one knee. I don't remember much of what I said. Uh, and even if I did, I probably wouldn't yeah. share it. Okay. And uh, I do remember her bursting into tears, screaming, crying, shaking. No, she didn't. Yeah. She did cry a little bit. And then she immediately said, of course. And then from that moment on, it became very surreal, and we kept it a secret. Uh, a secret. We told friends and, and family uh and then we kept it away from the internet for like another week um there's people on that roof by that american flag uh is that what that is oh yeah yeah that's cool i guess yeah. anyway uh <laughs> and so we, we announced it and then since then it it's actually been really nice it's been mm. really nice very good can you believe that yeah well it's been actually good yeah it's been fun See, I got a theory I didn't on that. that yeah, yeah that, really? that fits with my my first of three points. But anyway, oh, I can't <laughs> wait. We got ourselves I've a got, podcast yeah. episode. Uh, thank God, because mm. I was running out of things to talk about. But mm. um, yeah, it's made it really nice and very feel, feel much deeper, very sweet. But um, man, it, it is crazy. It is a weird situation. I get the. It's weird. I think for people, not weird necessarily. Very cool for people. I think on the internet because we're both 
uh, I guess you could say old school YouTubers, but uh, yeah, it's just nuts to to have a crush on someone for so long and then have this happen. And then there's a little bit of um, imposter syndrome and also just surreal, like, wow, this, and it also all makes sense. So that's my my take on it. I'm very, very excited. So that's my, my spiel on it. And I will now return to not talking about it. Ever until again. you see the episode of the Valley Cast where I talk about it. Oh yeah, but, which is coming out this but week. But this is more. Yeah. In, this is the more in depth one. Yes, yes. With three points that Pete's about. Three to get points, into. absolutely. No, yeah, because the first the first thing I was thinking, um, and uh, I'm indebted to Shizek for this, but um, the so sex and sexuality. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy. Is we haven't. Of course. Don't. Yeah, yeah, not yet, but you will, and it'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be it'll great. Be, yeah, it'll be great. Um, I'm so scared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what it's like. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, sexuality, um, we've talked about this before, but sexuality is kind of what is this explosive, very unnatural thing. So, you know, the idea that sex is very natural, like the Catholic Church talks about the animalistic nature of sex. It's actually not very animalistic. Animals just have sex for procreation. They're very good Catholics. I, t- I saw two hawks having sex the other day. All oh, right. It lasted for four seconds. Wow. Which is that's pretty good for you. About yeah, my, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was cool though. It was cool. Well, they they are do they're good Catholics, right? They'll be just having sex without much enjoyment, without fantasy right. for procreation. Um, it's utilitarian. Utilitarian sex. I had a friend actually who was a religious guy, and he his aim was to masturbate without sexual thoughts. That was he was practicing to kind of, and so he would try to masturbate while thinking about bus timetables yeah. and um, uh, when the buses would pick you up to go to school and take you back, because um, in a sense he wanted to take out you know, weirdly become very animalistic, take out the sexual dimension of sex mm-hmm. and make it purely about mating, which is hard to do. I think probably impossible to do. He yeah. said he was able to do it sometimes, but I don't know. Probably may- after not doing it for a while. I think if you wait long enough, you could probably do it to anything. Yeah. Well, Jez and Peep Show, he, you know, he's, he's asked, what's your fantasy? And he's like, like just having sex. <laughs> this is my fantasy. Is yeah. And the reason why that joke works is because of course like his jazz is completely you know without fantasy his fantasy is just having sex mm-hmm. which is not usual you know that we are polymorphously perverse as human beings this is taking a direction i didn't know it was gonna go and i like it i do like it yeah but I, I'm, I'm i'm interested okay well the reason why this connects with engagement is you could say that so pascal and this is the she's like but pascal had this argument which you probably know pascal's wager he said Imagine you want to believe in God, but you don't, but you kind of want to, you kind of think it's a good bet, or you think that people who are religious are happier. Pascal says, well, act as if you believe, do the rituals, uh, do what religious people do, and the belief will come later. Mm -hmm. Just like when you're a kid, you do the practices of your family life and your beliefs come after. So Pascal is saying, reboot yourself. Basically, if you want to believe in something, just act like you already believe it fake it till you make it fake mm-hmm. it till you believe well yeah and in that way you at least get into heaven if you, yeah you know if you if thing. you do the good bets if you think if you bet it you either get into heaven if you're right if you're wrong you just die uh, maybe you think well religious people seem to have a more chilled out life whatever it is so you do that but she's I love like, that idea it's kind of it's interesting. i love the idea of thinking that religious people have a more chilled out life mm. i would say i'm pretty non-religious but I would say I have a pretty chilled out life. Yeah, a pretty chilled out life, yeah. (laughs) I don't know, but it was a different time. Yeah. Well, then, Shizek kind of turns this around and says, well, in the the area of love, it's kind of the opposite, an inverted Pascalianism, which is, you know, with an inverted Pascalianism was you believe too much. Uh, What do you do to get get distance from your belief? do rituals yeah so for example if if someone's very has a psychotic religious belief and it's too much then what they can do is go through the rituals of belief and uh and just have it like oh i go to confession once a week i go to my mass and then i don't have to worry about it the rest of the week yeah like the pastor believes so the congregation doesn't have to yes you go to church so you don't have to really believe it yeah because some people have too much belief like they think they're they always feel guilty they feel that something's always looking at them they feel you know, the elf on the shelf, you know, everything's looking and it, there's a too muchness. Mm-hmm. And then Shizek says, well, in a way, 
sexual desires like that, that sometimes love and romance can be too much. It's, it brings anxieties, jealousies, insecurities. It's like, will the person love me tomorrow? Will I love them? Will, will, will they let go of me? Will that person be with somebody else? There's, there's, a, there's so much to romantic love. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a too muchness. And the interesting thing is the first, my first thought and point is that engagement and marriage can be a way to try to distance yourself from the craziness of, of romantic desire. Dude, it's so funny you bring this up. I, so I'm trying to, um, I'm work, not trying to, I am working on, officially working on a new hour of drumroll stand-up comedy. Current title is Ridiculous Universe. I'm very yeah. excited about it. Nice. But I, one of the ideas that I was, that I've been kind of writing with and playing with was, uh, the idea of how incredibly exhausting <laughs> and a pain in the ass it is to be in love. And it is truly an actual pain in the ass. Yeah. Like it is so exhausting and so time consuming and so all encompassing. And so there, like you're saying, yeah, there's so many different angles of it that yeah, a hundred percent. I think part of it was just being like, I can't, I gotta, I can't, I can't handle this. And it is interesting that since the engagement, my creativity and my work and my personal health care has uh, increased and mm-hmm. it's it, all wonderful and all very adult, but it feels like, uh, yeah, it's yeah. like a, a gasket has sort of been, it's like, okay, this is, we're good. That's good. And then it's caused the, probably a libido in some sense to disperse into other areas yes. more effectively. That's right. Cause romance is a tight, is like living in a, in a, a constant state of emergency. Um, in some respects, there's so much, a too muchness to it that, that tell and, me about yeah. it. Yeah. So to, to weave, <laughs> to weave your subjectivity into the big other, to kind of like make public, you know, in sickness and in health, Insane. Basically, if your desire diminishes for a while, it doesn't matter. We've still got stability. We've got what? That it? won't happen. Yeah. <laughs> what stability won't happen? Uh-uh. No. No lack of desire will ever happen. Ah, uh, yes, of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, what's the jazz line? Uh, every, uh, I think everything is great and it's going to be perfect forever. Oh, yes, I do want to tempt fate, but I think everything's going to be perfect forever. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly how I felt. Yeah. I don't want to tempt fate, but I think everything's going to be perfect for. Yeah, that's yeah. my uh, my mantra. <laughs> yeah, so that even you said, like, once the proposal was done, there was a certain calm in the aftermath of it. And I, I think to some extent that's because... That's one of the things that engagement and marriage can provide is a certain calming, a kind of uh, or a re-naturalizing of sexuality. Interesting, you almost said denaturalizing. Yeah, yeah, whereas I want to say re-naturalizing, a sense of kind of reculturizing, probably, sexuality. And then... Mm-hmm. Point two. Point two, related to that. We're getting into point two now, folks, okay. if you're keeping along at home. Point one was... Uh, love is exhausting. Love is exhausting. That marriage, engagement in marriage can bring a certain stability and a certain kind of like uh, in sickness and in health and richer or poorer, a kind of a sense of which you've got more stability um, and don't have to live in a constant state of emergency. You know what I've found too in, in my experience thus far in this, uh, this engagement is um, she really doesn't like when in the aftermath of proposing uh, she doesn't like when I say things like, um, don't forget, I own you and you're my property. For some reason, she hates that. Yeah, that doesn't. Uh, <laughs> but I keep doing it because I think it's very funny to see her get, get very annoyed by it. But anyway, yes. yeah. <laughs> that was my second point. Yes. She's now your property. property. Yes. yes. <laughs> it was like, you're mine. You're mine. It's very funny to say because it's so absurd, but it still feels offensive. Like it actually is one of the few things that, that I say that really does like that when I say it, I'm like, ah, I don't like it. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Well, the second point then is you could see marriage and not just marriage, other, but, but marriage in particular as an attempt to dethrone desire uh, in favor of love. And desire is idealization, love being sublimation. So the point is 
the function of desire. Well, is... we're going to need to dive into this one. Okay. This is going to require, if you're a new listener, thank you for joining us. This is the Fundamentalists podcast where we talk about pretty heady topics. Uh, Pete is a post-structural uh, That's what Lacanian. I train in, yeah. But yeah. I'm, I'm technically, funnily enough, not a post-structuralist, although that's what I, what's my PhD is in. Uh-huh. I'm probably more of a structuralist a german idealist german idealist pizza german idealist guys so that that doesn't explain it i don't know what will Uh, but he uh he's he does philosophy he does he's very smart and he thinks about things in a very interesting way that embraces contradiction and it's all very good so if you're new to this podcast he's going to use some words right now that he might need to explain (laughs) yeah Nicely done. Sub- that was that was right, that, that was, was a nice good. little aside. We're gonna need to yeah. talk about sublimation, define that, and we're gonna need to talk about uh the other one that you said too. That's the other idealization. Asian. Yeah, so desires desire basically functions with the idea that we can say this is not that, right? This normal thing that I have is not the absolute that I really want. So desire is always looking for the next thing. It's always kind of like when you get what you desire it loses its shine quite quickly and then you want the next thing. So desire is always this, this thing that I have is normal. It's not that, the thing that I want, which is special. That's idealization is you idolize what you don't have or what's under threat of being taken away from Mm -hmm. you. So if you have a kid playing with a toy, if you take the toy away from them, the toy can sometimes become something really special. Just in the act of taking it away, they suddenly really want it. Or if they don't have the toy, and some other kids playing with a toy, they really want that toy that they right. don't have. But as soon as they have it, without the threat of it being taken away, nothing. or without it, then nothing. It becomes normal very quickly. iPhone 10, you yeah. have to have the iPhone 10. Yes. So that you can get the iPhone 11. Yeah. You get it, you unbox it, you've got it, and then really quickly it loses its total shine. And you're like, this is very much like the iPhone 9. And then the 12 comes out. I just bought the 12. And it was exactly the same as the 10 that I had, pretty much, just not with a broken screen. It didn't, yeah. didn't do you anything. Yeah, they're but all fine. They're all fine. They're all... At this point, At this they're point, all they're fine. all fine. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's the, that's the function of desire. So it's a kind of a metaphor, it's all, or metonymy, I think they call it, where it keeps... You get one thing, and it's not it. You move on to the next thing. And But love... Um, and this is the kind of the Christological dimension. Love has the structure of this is that. This normal thing that I have is the absolute. And so it's Christological because that's the whole thing about... Interesting. Yeah, it's about this man... The normal thing, you, yes. Is, ...is the absolute. So in, in Christianity, you've got this idea that this normal person is God, right? So that's, that's why religion, Christianity is called the religion of love, just simply because it's not the religion of desire. This is not that but rather it's the religion that is, this is that. The normal thing that I have is the absolute. I just love this. This is so nice. Oh, yeah, that's all right. So that's sublimation. So sublimation is when you have something normal and you embrace it and you have it, and yet in its normality, it is the absolute. It's everything. And so in marriage, you're deciding, although obviously you live together, but you're deciding to live together with all of your tics and all of your difficulties and all of your emotional baggage and all of that i mean she's having to take a lot of shit on with you so she's doing that poor girl yeah poor girl and yet but me nothing i don't have to take on anything yeah <laughs> yeah in comparison probably not much you know? <laughs> yeah yeah. Doing just yeah, well. yeah yeah god knows what she deals with yes i deal with my fair amount and then i go hey and then she goes hey and i go all right yeah. Well, that's love. That's the difference because in desire, it's always you you idealize the other person. But once you're living together, it, if you don't move from idealization to sublimation, it, it falls apart very quickly. But in sublimation where you go, this is that. In other words, this normal human being with all of their tics and grimaces and all of their symptoms is in their normality the absolute then you've moved from idealization to sublimation or from desire to love. And I think marriage symbolizes people's risk and courage to try to uh, make that move. Um, it's a and it's a thing. sacrifice. I mean, it is a, a whole... If I, I've come to the conclusion that if I think about it, if I sit and think about what the implications are, which I have done, and obviously, and I did it out of love, and it's all beautiful, but if and it's the same, I think, for both of us. If we sit and think about it, it's a mind 
it's a mind bending, crushing sort of, uh, it's a paradox essentially Mm. because it feels so freeing and so nice. And yet it is also by definition, a constraining sort of thing. Cause you're going, I I'm committing to this. I'm sacrificing every other option, every other thing, and you're doing it willfully, which is crazy and beautiful. But what's beautiful about it, I think, is the cutting off of everything else. And, and, and one of the biggest sacrifices of being with someone is the sacrifice, you're sacrificing the fantasy of being with them. So that's the, that's the major things, right? When you're fantasizing about being with somebody, there's a real pleasure because you can imagine how incredible it would be when you're with them, you sacrifice the fantasy of being with them to be with them. And that's very... So this is a Shiran, one of this really depressing philosopher. He said, the reason why you shouldn't commit suicide is because you will rob yourself of the pleasure of thinking about committing suicide. Mm-hmm. So his main reason not to kill yourself is because there's so much pleasure in thinking about killing yourself. That sounds like a guy who should have killed him. <laughs> yeah, he's, <laughs> he's got some fascinating things. I'm going to get a, a... Pete, for my birthday, got me some Japanese whiskey. Oh, you're gonna... So I am partaking in that right now. Do you mind if I... Can you keep talking? Right, but you know what happens whenever you're not there? I, you I just, fr- you I lose just it. go all over the place. Well, let's let the listeners and the viewers just sit in dead space. <laughs> yeah no i've tried i remember like a few times you've walked off to get a drink and then i try to pretend that you haven't you lose all your yeah all your gusto and charm goes everywhere see that's something there's a lesson there see check this out this is isn't this nice uh, pete got me this anyway yeah i'm okay. back you're back oh yeah so you are fa- sacrificing the fantasy of being with someone to be with them and the thing about that is Anna Freud once said, I thought this was great, she said, in your dreams, you can make the perfect omelet. You just can't eat it. So in other words, obviously in your fantasies, you can break the eggs, you can have the perfect omelet, but you can't eat the omelet. In reality, you can't make the perfect omelet, but you can eat it. So you're sacrificing the dream of a perfect omelet, um, but you are getting you know, what love is, which is to be with someone in all of the difficulties and find meaning and depth in the midst of that. And I think that's a very courageous thing it's to do. It's a pretty good omelet. Pretty good omelet. It's a pretty good omelet. Can't complain about yes. my omelet. Yes, but always the fantasy of the omelet will always be better because the fantasy is, is someone... It? Well, it's, it's, it's a fantasy divorced of any of the person's symptoms, any of the person's mm-hmm. tics and grimaces. So, um, you know, your fantasy will always do exactly what you want. That's you know? like just pure narcissist, like, uh, like that's like, uh, yeah, you're not wanting like a human at yeah. that point. But that, that's, but that's in, in our society, like most romance movies are, are idealization. So it's all about a cup, two people who don't have each other and all of the obstacles that they have to overcome mm-hmm. To, until they're together and then the movie ends because the movie can't keep going after the couple are together because the relationship can never live up to the, f- mm-hmm. the fantasy of the, the chase, kind of the chase. The, yeah. but, a, but a proper love movie is a movie in which the couple you see what happens afterwards you, this happens in those three movies you know the um uh, before sunset after sunrise mm-hmm. oh yeah ethan hawk there are three movies about two people in love and one's called Before Sunset, I think, and the other's called like Before Sunrise, and the other's called After Sunrise, something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's about a couple who, the first movie is all about them meeting in a train. And, and it's a romance movie. It's about the intensity of this couple, and they cannot be together. But then the last movie is they get together in the middle movie, and the last movie is about them as a couple having to learn to live together after years of being together. So it's a beautiful kind of trilogy of movies that that explores the move from romance to love. Is Ethan Hawke the coolest person? Yeah, yeah. He's got to be one of the coolest. Yeah. He is. He's very, yeah. When I was young, that how he was amazing in the movies he's been And the movies he's been in up until recently are absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Very, very cool. Um, that sounds amazing. So that's a trilogy you should watch. I can't, it's annoying, I can't remember. It's all before sunset, before sunrise, whatever, but they're very good. And they, and they definitely, they're all about how do you move from romance to love? Mm-hmm. And how do you maintain love? Which is, by the way, exactly or what we romance. were talking last week. Which we know we talked about uh, fantasy last week. I have the perfect example, by the way, of 
what I was talking about, we were talking about. Yes. Is after our podcast, I watched Greenland. Have you heard of Greenland? Mm-mm. Yeah, well, Greenland is a good thing. So I, about fantasy. So if anybody hasn't watched Greenland, you don't want me to spoil it. Just stop now. Um, don't. No, don't keep going. I'm not going to. We're more a, important than Greenland. Yeah, we are. I was bored. It looked like a, it just looked like it's a disaster movie. I was like, this is not going to be great, but I'll watch it. It's about a couple. The family. There's no desire in the family at all, right? So he's moved out. He's had some affair, but it was a relationship where there was no real desire. They have a kid. And so at the, in order to get desire back into the family unit, there has to be a world extinction event. So there's this, these asteroids come in to destroy mm. the world. And then at the very end, the family unit is re, desire has re-entered the nuclear family. So they required uh, the fantasy of a nuclear, or a, sorry, a, an extinction event mm-hmm. in order to reintroduce desire into the family unit. So that's what fantasy is. Fantasy some- is what allows you to desire what you desire. That's what romance movies maximize. Yeah, there's an interesting parallel, I think, with uh, the COVID situation. I mean, COVID is not a mass extinction event necessarily, but it is definitely something that has... I think crystallized a lot of people's situations and relationships and uh, moved them in certain directions yeah. and also moved everyone, I think, in certain directions. You said one of the, my favorite phrases uh, about this situation that we're in, which is, um, I'm going to butcher it, but in a, I, I'm sure it's not, it's a phrase. It's, I don't even think it's yours, but it's like. It's, it's to do with 5G. 5G yeah, and yeah, how yeah, it's yeah. causing yeah. all yeah. of the, this. The so-called. COVID. Yeah, the paranoia. And the constant, <laughs> yeah, and it's like, wow, well, you have a cell phone. You're, uh, yeah, I mean, all the signs are there. Uh, but you, you said something like the thun, the thunder. Oh. What is it? Yeah, that's the, the lightning is struck, but we haven't heard the thunder yet. Yeah, yeah. Or the thunder is that's it. Like, but yeah, uh, and the amount of um, the rippling effect, the butterfly effect that's going to happen for the coming years, I think, in people's mental health and in relationships and in personal lives is something that I, I find very fascinating and slightly yeah. terrifying. And you've, on that, I talked to a psychoanalyst friend of mine. Uh, you've met Sean. Do you know Sean, the Irish psychoanalyst in, in I don't LA? like him. No, I don't, no. I don't remember. <laughs> I, don't think I, I don't know if I have yet. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a good guy. But he, um, he was telling me, like, you know, a lot of people are going into therapy, obviously, because of COVID. But this connects with what we're talking about because there's a lot of couples now that are forced to be together all the time. And idealization is able to be maintained when you're not around your partner all the time. Whenever there's obstacles, things that you have to do, when you, you're fantasizing about being together, but you can't, right? So idealization flourishes in, in obstacle. But once you're pushed into a relationship with your significant other, where you don't have that, that, uh, that space for fantasy, then you, it's tested because now you have to go, is it sublimated? And the sublimation is, oh, this person in their normality is still the person who I desire. Or if it's just idealization, you're like this person, now that I'm with them all the time, I realize that it's, it's not love, that this, this is, sublimation mm-hmm. hasn't, hasn't occurred. So he was saying like a lot of couples are breaking up at the moment. Some are getting closer, some are splitting apart. And I wonder if it's because... Um, with being completely in mm-hmm. the same place as somebody, uh, any type of desire-focused relationship, which is idealized, is going to collapse. It's going to fall apart. They always fall apart. Uh, yeah, I like to... What's the... It's like um, the Big Bang. Like uh, two... It's like you're suppressing... You're compressing two particles so tightly together that there's going to be some sort of a thing in some way. It's going to explode in some way. Ah, right. It'll oh, yeah, explode yeah. in a nice way or explode in a bad <laughs> way, but something's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. And it's either going to... I say, if you're just idealizing the person and you can't... You're, you're always fantasizing something that's not there, then it's going to break apart. But if you're pushed together like that and you've been able to, as I say, love, this is that, this normal person is, the absolute is, is in, in their imperfection, I find a type of perfection, then you're all right. No, I just go, I'm going to fix you. Yeah. I, <laughs> and they love that. Yeah, yeah. Everyone loves to hear that someone's going to fix them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's beautiful. So that mm. was that all point two? Mm-hmm. 
Oh, and so can two. you summarize point two for oh, us? Oh, yes. And point one so everyone can... Very good. So point one, this is like a seminar, all beginning with P. No. Uh, P? Yeah. They're not beginning with P, I don't think. I don't think oh, I, I think can do that. Urine. Yeah. Um, yeah, first point was that marriage can help to uh, kind of like uh, domesticate the excessive state of emergency that romantic love can generate, can give you a certain stability um, so that you can get involved in other things so that you can re-engage with your friends, re-engage with your creative projects that sometimes really fall apart whenever you're in that state of desire. So it's a it's an inverse Pascalianism where you have rituals that help you uh, kind of like get some space from your desire. So lovely. Yeah. <laughs> I like point one a lot. Uh, and then point two was that marriage is the attempt to not completely get rid of desire, but to centralize love over desire or to centralize sublimation over idealization. Idealization is the fantasy of the other that that is, you know, so every time you have something, you're always thinking, this is not that, this is not the mm -hmm. absolute. But love is, this is that. This normal person in their difficulties and in our struggles is where I find meaning and depth um, and significance. I like point two too. I'm not yeah. going to lie. Are you not going to like point three? I figure there is going to be some sort of twist at the end. <laughs> it's going to be some sort of depressing shit. Yeah, well, this this is the best one. Actually, this is the most, um, I I think this is the most uh, exciting of the three. I can't wait. Okay. <laughs> I die before die I right say now, it. Yeah. Um, is that it doesn't work. This marriage doesn't work. In a, in, a, in a productive way. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast about my recent engagement that I'm very excited about. Peter Rollins, the philosopher, would like to say some critical words about marriage to the divorced guy. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, which is what, by the way, makes it so courageous, right? The first time someone gets married, there can be this fantasy of it's going to be easy, it's going to be wonderful. And then when you find the difficulty of it it's the second time that's romantic you think i think it's gonna be easy yeah no that's what i mean it's the second time when you know how hard it is and you still decide to do it that's ballsy it'll be romantic. hell <laughs> yeah it's that, and that's the, what makes it romantic romance is when you go this is the stupidest thing we could do but i have to do it it's you know? insane <laughs> yeah. um and i think that's what we've robbed the romance from from engagement because we've robbed the danger of it. It's profoundly dangerous. It's a profoundly dangerous thing to do. Divorces, people, even when they don't get divorced, ending up sleeping in different rooms and not caring for each other. This is kind of what the uh, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind is yeah. about. Beautiful movie, absolutely beautiful. You know, movie. that's my fiance's favorite movie of all time. Oh, is that right? Yeah, it's it's yeah. a phenomenal movie, and it's it's all about. I should probably watch it. Have time. you not seen it? No, I've. Oh seen yeah. It, yeah, I know. I need to rewatch it. Ah, it's it's incredible, and like you know, it's two people who they can't be together. They just can't be together. They end up in disaster and arguments, and it all falls apart. And so they get their minds wiped of each other, and then they end up doing it again because they don't remember. And then eventually they work it out. They work out that they've had their minds wiped. They've done this before. And they're like, okay, we should never be together. And then basically they turn around and go, fuck it. Basically, they go like, you know, and that's love. Like That that's, might be the most beautiful uh, story. Mm -hmm. Absolutely incredible. I, I've often thought that I would like to make a, you can make a short film where you have somebody coming from the future with this, image of how your relationship's going to collapse so say i come from the future you and grace are married and from the future you're not you're engaged and i sit you down we put on the television these key moments in which your relationship begins to fall apart and then this point where at the very end it's a complete disaster and i said that there you go you've seen it and then you turn around and go I'm going to do it anyway. We'll take it. Yeah, we'll take it. That's, you know, that's romantic. <laughs> that's romantic. Deal. Um, deal, yeah. Um, and so when I say it doesn't work, I mean it partly like that. It, it, going in, going, this probably isn't going to work. Even like the person from the future, this isn't going to work. I'm still going, I'm going to do it. But then secondly, in relation to this point, is that the not working is where the potential for renewal of the relationship always is. So 
for me, you can never domesticate sexuality. You can't do it. And marriage can't do it. Engagement can't do it. You can't domesticate. This is, sexuality is one of the most decentering, destabilizing forces in our, in our being, right? You can't, you can't domesticate it Said entirely. the Freudian. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're a Jungian. Got so, him. Yeah. Uh, so you're like, um, yeah, what do you think of that? I don't know if I'm a union. I'm just trained in being a union. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but sexuality is like you would, like you know, and anybody knows that that it is this explosive force that can get you to do things that you wouldn't normally do. You you can betray the people you love. You can do. You can you can destroy friendships and best friends and family members. Love is is and sexuality is incredibly explosive. And here's the thing about that is. That's like if there wasn't these explosions of self-destructive um, ecstasy, we would be utilitarian creatures. So we would be determined. I, if we were purely we'd be conscious, animals, yeah. we'd be, be we'd animals. Be, yeah, we wouldn't be human. Exactly, because to to be to be utilitarian, I think consciously we are determined. Like we're always looking to maximize our pleasure, minimize our pain. Consciously, we're always looking for recognition in in whatever we're doing whether it's in money or fame Mm -hmm. recognition to maximize that etc but here's the thing the unconscious is what um derails the conscious the the unconscious is the is the repetition of explosive derailing activity like sexual desire explodes and that allows for you to reconfigure your life so every time it happens most people whenever it happens they maybe get a divorce or they maybe hate each other or whatever. They they see the explosions of this untamed sexuality as something to fear. But actually, it often arises whenever the relationship is kind of in a rut. And it's the opportunity for a couple to reimagine their relationship. Now, two things can happen when it happens. Either two people break up, that's, that's fine, people do that. Or two people renegotiate their relationship. So every time this explosion of libido kind of like threatens to destabilize marriage and it always happens and it will happen is instead of seeing that as a threat and a failure it can be seen as a productive failure it's the moment in which new a new type of relationship can arise and desire can re-arise and so does that make sense it makes total sense i mean dude productive failure is yeah. the theme of my entire career yeah well you haven't like, got the productive i've yet. Na- you've well, got the failure down i got the failure yeah, 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 yeah. and That's, here i am ho- i'm hoping for the productive side yeah i would yeah. love to see it too i can only assume it'll happen uh i mean i get it i think mm-hmm. it's you know i mean obviously i am uh more idealistic mm-hmm. i guess in the the realm currently but i also believe that um there's no utopian sort of existence and i think here's my my view on it i think that the the idea of engagement the idea of marriage and commitment is truly uh like a ritualistic ritualistic act of uh accepting the fact that things could go haywire multiple times yes. and you then make the commitment on a conscious public level to deal with it. And I think that is cool. I have no problem with divorce, clearly. I have no problem with people doing whatever they want to do if it's between the two of them. But I uh, I, I firmly have... Uh, I, I, feel, I feel uncomfortable with the idea of people thinking that marriage and just settling down and all that stuff creates this sort of uh heaven like uh situation and so yeah i think that you go through things and you figure it out and you do what you do but um that's what life is right like that's the whole point like this is it's i i don't feel like it's an ending i do feel like it's a beginning of something that you consistently have to figure out every day and every moment and i think that's nice yeah no and that this is my point is that it's almost it's not even that difficulties will happen and you have to overcome them, right? We all know that, right? It's it's almost, I want to be stronger and go, difficulties will happen and that's the most exciting part of the marriage. Yeah. It's like, it's like and, and that's partly why one marries is so that when those explosions of derailment happen, 
you've got a structure that means you're more likely to try to figure it out. And That's therefore, totally, yeah. Yeah. so then it becomes a productive failure. So something happens, you stay within it, and that failure actually kind of like, uh, it almost shakes you up. It shakes mm-hmm. up everything. It kind of gets you to talk about things you've never talked about before. Adds a little zest to the yeah. life, for God's sake. Yeah, that's it. And <laughs> Can we bring a little something-something to this boring-ass life that we are all currently living yeah, in right now? <laughs> a little bit of spice. But the, o- the only way you can get that is if you have gr- one has grace for the other person, they have grace for you. Because, I love that word. Yeah, it's a nice word. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, you have to almost... If you think that the explosion of difficulty is, oh, a failure, we should walk away, you don't get to see that, oh, actually, this is an opportunity for us to maybe talk honestly about stuff. Because that, oh, and you see this in the aftermath of a difficulty, couples will either break up or they end up saying, I've never said this, but I'm going to, I'm going to put this on the table mm-hmm. or they go, right, we're going to have to rethink this or we're going to, and it, it kind of like, as I say, it, it, it almost creates a, a second relationship, a new type of relationship because you basically, people tend to break up with people and stay in a relationship with the type of relationship they've always had, right? So you break up with different people, but you always have the same type of relationship with the new person you go out with. The real trick is you don't have to break up with someone necessarily, but sometimes you have to break up with the type of relationship you have. Yeah. And that, and that's more radical is that sometimes you go, right, we have a type of relationship that now is no longer working. We can break up with the type of relationship we have mm-hmm. in order to imagine something new. So for me, the failures are, are where the magic happens. Beautiful. Yeah, I fully agree. I think it's wonderful. This is what you're going into, man. This has got your... I mean, look, I have full confidence that everything will be actually pretty freaking cool the entire time, uh, except for when it's absolutely abjectly terrifying and horrible. But uh, that... Uh, I love that idea, the breaking up with the type of the of relationship is very nice. Yeah. It's very beautiful. Uh, and then it allows you to shift and mold and adapt like yeah. a human being who recognizes they have a finite life and yeah. you get to just go, I'm choosing this person or I am choosing this person in this capacity. It's all going to be beautiful. Because if it was a straight road with no bumps, it would be boring. Not use, That's that, what I think deters yeah. a lot of people actually from marriage yeah, yeah, yeah. and from engagement and from monogamy is the idea that that someone is going to think that this is the end. And I think yeah. that that's, that bums me out. For Which, people. yeah, in LA, you see this a lot. And, and ironically, I think it's mostly the other way around that the constant just going out with new people is an attempt to avoid the difficulties of being with one person and going through that but, rich, rocky right. road. And yeah. then when you do that, you end up going out with the same person over and over and over yeah. again. So it is actually a very self-defeating uh, argument, I you're think. Ch- yeah, you're chasing basically the eternal honeymoon um, rather than kind of like going into the difficulties of relationship. So Lacan had a famous saying where he says, there is no sexual relationship. And what he kind of means is, we're always looking for the other person to make us whole. But what you're always going to find is there, there's, there's no person that can do that. But where the enjoyment of life is, is you find someone who rubs up against you the wrong way in the right way. You rub up against someone in, a, in such a way that it, it creates sparks and energy and movement. Well, then I nailed that part, I guess. (laughs) I think I'm pretty good on that. Uh, We definitely are good at at butting heads in ways that are uh, productive. Yeah, that's the magic. At the end of the day. That's the magic. This is my main critique of polyamory. I'm not against polyamory. I've got friends who are polyamorous. But my only concern is that some people I know who are polyamorous, I'm not against polyamory, except insofar as... It's an attempt. It's okay if you're against polyamory. Yeah. But it, yeah, my... my Who oh, cares? My, is that right? Yeah. My, my, my main critique of it is just that sometimes we're looking for a way to uh, avoid the confrontation with the truth that there is no sexual relation. In the past, marriage was that, you know, and now I think there's sometimes an attempt to have multiple partners um, so as to try to mitigate against the 
the antagonism of sexual relationships. Mm-hmm. Hometown buffet. Um, yeah, yeah. Perkins. Yeah. yeah. But um, but but I also see get a little um, scoop of this, a little scoop of that. Yeah. You'll be nice and full, no problem. Instead of just this one meal all the time. Why would you want that? Yeah, which kind of like I think the one meal is like if you go into the difficulty, even if it is polyamorous, but still any relationship that's attempting to get rid of the antagonism is dangerous. And I think any relationship that enters into and enjoys the antagonism, the impossibility, the ruptures, the obstacles, is uh, is productive. I love that. That's very beautiful. Well, I think you've brought three really wonderful points to this podcast, Pete. Oh, thank you. I don't feel incredibly depressed. Good. Oh, well, my, my job's I don't not feel done like you yet. Were, Maybe. <laughs> I don't feel like you were subversively yeah. doing anything. Was there, there, was, yeah, there wasn't anything depressing when I, I said. Ba- I think all... you're actually being very genuinely encouraging in the most Peter Rollins way you could could do it, which I accept fully and I love it. Thank you very much. Because I think my first point was the most depressing point. And, but the third point's the most optimistic point. Yeah, and the second one, you had too many words. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you everyone for listening to this episode of The Fundamentalists. Uh, If you've watched it on video, you're probably at youtube.com slash Elliot Morgan. And uh, please subscribe, please like the video, and please leave a comment on what you think about it. I myself am very excited, and I'm very happy. Pete is very happy for me. Pete's also just really smart, and you should check him out as well at PeterRollins.com or Instagram.com slash PeterRollins. He's doing a bunch of cool stuff in the future, and that's going to be very cool. We're also working on things for fundamentalists like conventions, live events, Uh, even if they're digital or whatever, and we'll let you know how that goes. It's going to be very exciting. Uh, And also check us out on iTunes and Spotify. And if you would like to leave us a review on iTunes, that's purely just fun for us to read that is so, i really love there were some nice comments left in the last week I really you've seen yeah some really nice oh, comments yeah, so, man. yeah yeah so i'll check we'll send you guys really send those to me it. oh yeah uh, well yeah, no, i'll really just look it. at it myself yeah, yeah not like yeah. an asshole <laughs> uh, you yes, send sir. them to me I, yes, sir i will send if you could fax you. them out <laughs> fax them out um yeah uh, that'd be great i've i've had some japanese whiskey so we're gonna cut this one i guess short maybe I don't know. No, 52 minutes. We're doing fine. Uh, no. thank well, you listen, so much just to say again, mate, congratulations. I'm so excited. You thank guys you. are going to go on this journey, and it's going to be a good one. You'll be there the whole time, okay. man. I'll be screaming at you and yelling at you, and uh, y'all probably won't hear about those parts or the good parts because Pete and I are actually very close friends. I don't know if you guys know that or not. So this is a cool podcast. You should keep listening to it in my yeah. opinion. <laughs> or viewing it at youtube.com. No, I would give a shit. All right. Bye, everybody. All right. Bye-bye.